welcome to the super colorful original telecommunicated transmission otherwise known as Scottcast. it's episode 83 and we're in for a nice easy relaxing sunday evening episode with fan favorite ian dixon how be you how be life oh i'm i'm here i'm excited it's weird to be doing this on a sunday not with sabelle right you know i spent this morning with sabelle but you see, we went to go see Randy in Pontiac yeah. a week ago, and when we were at his show, there were a lot of people in one room, and I'm pretty sure we got a cold that night, because we both came down with the cold on like the same day, and I'm just now getting over it. Uh, she had like a rebound moment, because she didn't take care of herself at the beginning. She mm-hmm. just went straight ahead. Yeah. I, when I get a cold, I like isolate for like 48 hours like total Mm -hmm. zero mode i do nothing i don't read i don't look at stuff i don't think Mm -hmm. i'm just a body devoting all its energy to my immune system yeah apparently that's the way to do it i feel like it should be like i'm i'm about i'm podcasting yeah we're doing a podcast to the sounds of sunny hamtramck i have all the windows open yeah. It's a very fresh, good day. It was a lovely day today. It was. I cleaned, I mopped the floor. Troubling news, though. Hmm. You sent me a text earlier. Tariffs on your favorite brand of liquor. 25% yeah. being imposed. Is that like 25% of the whole thing? Like, every, they all just jumped a quarter? It sounds like that. Are you hoarding? Uh, before they... I thought about it. I, I went to... Meyer today um the eight mile Meyer doesn't have great scotch selection to begin with <laughs> right yeah so i wasn't i was unimpressed uh it seemed like the uh the prices were stable for the time being so i'll probably go to like some fancier place and get a couple bottles before the jump that's the only way to go you got a stockpile i was talking with randy mm-hmm. <coughs> there's the cold <laughs> about stockpiling because he's all about stockpiling the hurricane dorian came in and ripped up sunnyvale Mm -hmm. and he was he said you gotta stockpile propane you gotta stockpile stuff and now that you know your your favorite drink is about to be embargoed i mean come on 25 percent tariff i don't think people are gonna pay it i think that i think the country's gonna run dry of scotch scotch dry it's damn shame damn shame but you know at least we have a hoarder mentality. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. But now that we got the bad news out of the way, you got to admit, we're in for one of the best cinema months, couple months, uh, for years. Are we? I think so. We got The Joker just came out. Mm-hmm. It's rave reviews. Mixed rave reviews. <laughs> The raves were mixed. Yeah. I've, I've only heard the controversy. I haven't uh, seen anything that was positive yet. I feel like the controversy is overblown. The controversy being the Joker movie condones some sort of, uh, you know, loner white boy terrorism. Yeah. I mean, I think that's always a fine line of, like, it's the same argument with, like, rap music like Mm -hmm. is this condoning a lifestyle or is this a reflection of the reality that we're living in you know what i'm saying 
I do know what you're saying. And if it is a reflection, which I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, obviously, yes. Yeah. Like, I, I really don't think it's a... <laughs> That's the reason it's controversial. It's like, oh, this is too real. But, but, but then when people get offended and they don't like it, what do they do? They, they say... They say that it's promoting it. They say that it's like a propaganda video, like it's recruiting video for this kind of act. That's ridiculous well, no, proposition. Like, yeah, of course this is a horrible thing, but let's un- let's try and understand it. And I don't know if uh, I mean I don't know any about anything about the specific filmmakers that were involved in this project and how how much insight they actually have into what was behind all the things that happened. But I know that Joaquin Phoenix literally was asked the question Mm -hmm. um how do you think this film reflects the reality of today Mm -hmm. and he was like i didn't think about it (laughs) and then they pressured him a little bit maybe that's problematic i don't know (laughs) (laughs) right like you didn't think about it and then they pressured him a bit more then he got angry and he stormed off yeah and the same thoughts are echoed like by the producers Mm -hmm. the director and all that all that all that junk so i feel like I feel like they didn't know, or they they just knew it felt right. But yeah. like, why can't that be a thing? Like, why did they have to think of it like from a social sphere? Like, is that a responsibility of a Hollywood producer to think about how it affects people's minds? Uh, yes and no. I mean, maybe you. Uh, I don't know. You make a film with a message in mind, right? Maybe I've not made a film. I suppose so. I'd, well, you've made a you've made a I've short. Made, <laughs> yeah, in production right now, Ian's Cult <laughs> Kitchen. <laughs> you know what? What do you think uh, the message behind the first episode of Ian's Cult Kitchen might be considered? Oh, um, it was supposed to be uh, just a, a fun-loving uh, nostalgia trip, and it turned into oh, we should prepare more reproduction <laughs> i mean you know we've got a certain we've got a we certain budget limitations budget limitations and it's our first visual effects kind of foray besides the exploding watermelon on yeah. Stockcast live so i think we i think we did really good i showed you the rough cut of it it was a lot better than i was expecting it to be yeah yeah <laughs> we, we put in some genuine Special effects, practical, all practical. All practical. You know, there's not going to be any digital manipulation or animal harm. Correct. In Ian's Cult Kitchen, it seems. You know, I was kind of on board with, uh, you know, getting animal parts involved and all that. But, but, you know, through a large outcry from our fan base... Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> we've we we've decided against that and we're mostly gonna harm ian instead right yeah that's fine right because like the, it, it, i'm kind of liking it because we have I'm consenting to the harm you're consenting to harm <laughs> <laughs> and that's good it's good to have that on tape thank you <laughs> and we've also got what's it called oh geez it's been so long <sighs> Final Destinian. We have Final Destinian, mm-hmm. which is the account of you're almost dying, and now we're going to have a series where you, spoiler alert, probably die every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, like, if, if this makes sense. It's a good tie-in. You know, you're in the first episode of Scottcast, where you're on, mm-hmm. it's called The Littlest Death. Mm-hmm. Death kind of follows you, Ian. Yeah. Is that the theme today? 
it might be. I was trying to make it focus. Mm. Um, we I kind of prepared a little bit of an idea of like a focus episode, mm. but then I realized I didn't really prepare much at all yet. You weren't very focused on the focus episode. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're just kind of freeballing it. See, that's what I'm talking about, though. You got to get meta about what your message is. Yeah. And if you're just like throwing shit out there and it, it resonates with someone, but it's not really saying anything, they might be offended about it. I think you said it perfectly for what Scottcast is. Mm-hmm. Scottcast is us getting together, mm-hmm. hanging out, talking about the weird shit we've learned recently. Mm-hmm. What did we learn today? About like 75% of listeners listen to podcasts not to be entertained this juvenile notion but to learn and that is what we do on scott cast so though we be unfocused on the focus episode let it be known i finally accepted my purpose thank you what's saying you to that ian uh, um I don't know. It sounded like you just said a bunch of nothing. What? <laughs> bunch of nothing? It sounded like you were talking to try to make a grand point, and you were just like circling back around to like, this is Scott Cast. <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> I was circling back around to what did we learn today? Well, it's not that time yet. We're just getting started. Well, I'm not going to say we should answer that question, but the purpose of every episode is to eventually ask that. Think about what you're learning. Yeah. We learn, and then we ask what we learned. Pay attention. Pay attention. We're going to say drop a lot of knowledge on y'all, whether it be esoteric or surreal, whether it be real or not. You're going to learn something today. Yeah. You're going to learn today, but it's also a lot of nothing. Yes. But you know, that's also life. Life is a lot of nothing. I don't want to put on some rebel pose and say that life is nothing. But at the end of the day, what is life? Same question, same circling, same grand posturing as me talking about Scottcast as everybody else talking about life. Yeah, well, I mean, essentially on that, that broader scale, it's really about nothing, isn't it? Right. That's why Scottcast is so great. It is as broad as life. I wish you could throw in like the... Seinfeld baseline. It's really all about nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's a show about nothing. That's fine. I feel comfortable in it. Yeah. I've probably developed more as a man doing Scottcast than I've done changing oil in a car or living life for 30 years. Yeah. You're welcome. That's right. <laughs> You're 60 episodes worth yeah. of Scottcast. I did the math. I got the Scottcast website up, so it's got... Um, all the episodes labeled, so you can go to all the David episodes, all the Ian episodes, mm-hmm. all the special guest episodes, including Randy from Trailer Park Boys, and Chris Ledondo from Tell Steve Dave, and my mom, and Sabelle, all the Sabelle Sundays with Sabelle. There's the Kyle episode. The Kyle episode is tagged. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to get Kyle back on. <laughs> but uh, He's holding out. Yeah. So you're leading the pack with 60, 61, yeah. 62 now. Mm-hmm. David is trailing at 22, is the second most. Respectable. Respectable. And uh, beyond that, you know, we got Sabelle with a with a handful. We've got two with Randy. That's that's somehow that happened. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the worlds of Sunnyvale and Scott Cass City are one. 
Mm-hmm. I kind of like that. I feel like we should merge as many fictional universes together as possible. You know, maybe Scott Cast City is really underneath the trailer park. Good lord, we're rambling today. We are. What's on the uh, docket? Not a, not a lot. Hmm. Not a lot. That's why we're rambling. That's why we're rambling. Weird breeding news, Ian. Okay. China is breeding giant pigs the size of polar bears. Hmm. It's like uh, that Netflix movie, Okja. What's that about? It's about, like, giant pig animals that they, like, were experimenting with for food. And they, like, um, they had, like, this first litter of them, like, eight of them, and they sent them around the world to, like, kind of have different people raise them and see how it worked out. And there was this one girl, I don't remember what country it was supposed to be in, somewhere in Asia, that, like, was, like, really befriended it, and it had, like, a happy life, and it was, like, raised uh, optimally um, so that it was the most delicious. Ooh. (laughs) Does that involve, like, giving it massages and stuff like that? I mean, it was just, like, it was free to roam around in, like, the mountain countryside, and they, like, had a bond, the the girl and the, the animal. The best bacon is made with love. Yeah. So, um... The company that, like, engineered the animal still had, like, rights to it. So, um, after so many years, they all got raised, and, like, she won the prize of raising the best, uh, whatever it was called. Um, but then they were gonna obviously breed that for food, and it was, it was really, like, about, um... Falling in love with your food? It was about, like, yeah, like, uh, agricultural corporations and how they they kind of do things and it kind of turned into like a, a nightmare about uh, yeah the meat industry like eating our friends yes well let me tell you how the chinese actually dealt with it mm-hmm. they bred a thousand one hundred and two pound pig uh and, and they sell them for one thousand four hundred dollars each mm-hmm. imagine buying fourteen hundred dollars worth of pig I feel like if they included that price tag in that movie, like, it would have been all, like, flattened over. It would have been fine. Yeah. You know, like, the chick would be like, I love this pig, but this is rent for three months. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I guess life imitates art, imitates life. I don't know. I feel like like art tried to imitate life and then was woefully underprepared Mm -hmm. to deal with what life really is (laughs) (laughs) yeah sometimes truth is stranger than fiction yeah but uh yeah the same director who did okja um when i was in toronto they were doing like the international film festival thing and he had like the kind of a breakout film that was premiering there um i showed you the trailer for it uh it's called parasite oh okay and it's really about like classism like the the class structure and it's supposed to be really awesome i'm interested in seeing that but uh i guess that's all i can say about it right now well (laughs) i feel like if i feel like if you want to hook ian dixon into a movie yeah make it weird and make it about class structure yeah those are the two things you need you got me hooked you know that's all a trauma Mm -hmm. weird and about class structure (laughs) true that's Every time there's no class structure, even in a weird movie, I feel like you rate it lower. 
like in Jurassic Park and the not the first one but like the ensuing ones that were not masterpieces I feel like there's mm-hmm. no real class structure element to it so you don't have anything to really hook your claws into and to top it off with CGI there's, there's, there's no motivation for you to watch it that's true you know you haven't even seen Fallen Kingdom the first one was kind of about class structure like he he underpaid Nedry and that was the whole problem right well, if you can call that a class structure thing. <laughs> well, it's like, yeah. It's like uh, exploitative labor, and labor is going to rebel, and then you got dinosaurs running all over eating people. That's 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 kind of a stretch, but it works. <laughs> that's what happened. It fits. Prove me wrong. I think a better class structure argument <laughs> is here comes Hammond with all of his money. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, Hammond has to be the super rich guy. Yeah, obviously. Hammond comes in, and because he has access to capital, he has access to the power of creation. And it's almost a direct link between power of creation and access to capital. Because John Hammond is the only one in the park who's who has no real discernible skills besides vision. Mm-hmm. You know? And organization. And whatever it takes to do get capital. And also in that situation, like, all morality disappears. You think? And like, every, everyone else in the film was calling him on it. They were like, oh, this might be a bad idea. Right, right. So when did so the morality disappeared as it, as he was making the park? Um, as capital increases and power increases, morality decreases. I think those are like, uh, those have to be in balance. I mean, give someone power and you'll see their true character for yeah. sure. And I mean, and I think the morality That's question... Why I, choose jobs that I get underpaid in, I suppose. <laughs> you choose to be underpaid? Yeah. Okay. I could go private practice and make a lot more money. Ooh. But that's not why I chose my field and uh it would yeah, it would it would lessen what I do, I think. Even if I was doing the same thing, it would be it would be about something else. You think? Like mm-hmm. like, like same kids they wouldn't be the same kids. That's, and that's the thing. That's the thing. It's because you're... It's because I'm, I'm choosing to provide access to people who otherwise wouldn't be able to access my services. Okay. And that's where you draw the meaning from your work. Yeah. The, the serving. To an extent, yeah. Okay. I like that. Hammond, however... <laughs> <laughs> you went the opposite route. Yeah. And you're saying that... And who is the one that, like... The one person that supported him was the blood-sucking lawyer. Right. The other person who had access to capital and power. Yes. Well, the, the, the one standing to profit the most. <laughs> yes. I can, I can see that being the argument for why John Hammond behaved that way. But do you think he was amoral? Or do you think, like, like his morals... I think he had dis- good intentions. I think he was blinded by his own power and uh, influence. Like, the, the resounding draw of the question like we could do this we could make this happen outweighed the moral consideration and almost to the point where he was flummoxed that the moral consideration was being proposed like he had no he had no response it was like one of the only first time he wasn't eloquent was at that seafood bass dinner (laughs) (laughs) and everyone was uh, dressing dressing down the idea as Mm -hmm. uh, too much too fast Mm -hmm. and that's where the blood-sucking Laura quote comes in. Yeah. I think uh, there's a detachment from 
the common man that occurs somewhere in that uh, that escalation. And that's kind of what, what Elon Musk's problem is. You think he's too much too fast, John Hammonding? He's yeah, I, I don't uh I don't fault him for being ambitious and for having these these lofty goals that he has. Mm-hmm. But I think um his nature in like where he's come from and his status uh sort of puts blinders on to the greater moral concerns about that. Because those don't affect him. He's uh he's uh the Ubermensch. Right. He's definitely putting on like like the sales routine of being like the super thinker Ubermensch mm-hmm. man who's got all these great solutions for humanity if mm-hmm. only we support him. And if you don't support him, you're a fucking pedo, right? Possibly. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> if you are, we he, he's got some guy on it. <laughs> it's just, I mean, I don't, we, don't, we don't get political, but that's, that's Trump's thing too. Like he... He was born and up there, and like he has no concept of the greater moral standing of the rest of us. Mm-hmm. So he's fighting this impeachment thing because he he literally cannot fathom like what he's done wrong. He can't he can't conceive of it, even though it's so clear to so many of us. Right, and but not, like at the same time, salesman. It's like that's the act he puts on, mm-hmm. and that's that's what works. That's what powers his base. Yeah, and there it is. You know, like so in a way, our society has enabled him right. along the way because that's always worked for him. And why would he do anything else? Of course. Yeah. So, so we've got this draw. Like you have power, and I feel like there's a lot of people who have a lot of money. That nobody hears about. Mm-hmm. Like, no one really knows what they do, you know, but maybe they live simple lives. Like, Warren Buffett just lives in Nebraska with, like, a with like a normal home, mm-hmm. you know, and, like, he's one of the richest men in the world and one of the foremost investors in history. Mm-hmm. But he keeps a very simple lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know. So, do you think that is, do you think, do you think there could be, corruption there or do you think like the power magnifies the existing character like trump his character with power who boy definitely weird yeah elon musk his character of uh, like needing to ascribe all this uh all these grand revelations and attributes to himself mm-hmm. and make it so and the ambition and needing to do that character amplified by his ability to do stuff Mm -hmm. you know warren buffett has all this ability to do stuff and he shows about as much of it as uh some neighbor that you know you have and you've seen around but you don't really ever talk to yeah uh so that makes it hard for me to make a judgment about that right but i i think if if he's comfortable living sort of this uh I don't even if you'd call it like a lesser life, like a uh, modest, a more modest life than he's capable of. Um, what's the purpose of his wealth? Well, when you build a giant business and a lot of people work for you, like eventually it becomes imperative to keep it afloat because of the people who work for you. 
and it, and it just grows and grows and grows. But he still has just just this massive like I don't, I don't I mean, you know what you call it like a nest egg. But like, why bother with that? Like, keep five million million for you, and like, what are you gonna do with the rest of that? Well, he well he uses the rest of it in in the company. A lot of a lot of the wealth is you know paper wealth in the form of mm-hmm. like investing in other businesses. I feel like his, a lot of his wealth is actually being put to work for the so most that's, part. I I'm, I yeah. don't have any problem with that. Okay. So, I but think, what if like all the all the rich people that you see as uh, like these amoral types are really just the flashy, salesy, richy people that like everyone mm-hmm. hears about in the news, and like ninety nine percent of the rest of them are more like that. Like, like, but you just we just don't see it, you know. We got the mm-hmm. ostrich and the sandcist syndrome. I don't know if I'm following what you're saying. Like, you're saying that most rich people, like I can name like ten <laughs> rich people, right? And like of those ten, like nine of them are the boisterous. Elon Musk's, mm-hmm. Donald Trump's, Cuba Gooding Jr.'s, no, Mark Cuban. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're those types, mm-hmm. like the flashy ones. Okay. But there's way more than that out there. Yeah. We just never hear about them. So I can't evaluate what they're doing with their wealth? Yeah. So it's a Schrodinger's rich people population. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they could be bad. They could be good. They might be good. They might be bad. I don't know. You know? I, th- I think uh, I think for me, like, if I were to accumulate wealth, it would be about how I can make a world that's better than the one I got. Yeah. Because I don't need anything fancy. Like, you know, if I if I could own the place that we live in now, that would be fine. Yeah, I'm not very motivated myself about like. <laughs> I don't need more. like a, yeah. I don't need like a fucking McMansion or anything. I'm not. Uh, I'm not interested in owning fancy cars. Um, if I can make a comfortable living and not have to worry about bills, that's good enough. And anything more than that, I'm going to invest in not building up some account somewhere where I can accumulate wealth for no reason. But I would, I would put it back into, like, how can I help other people? Yeah. Uh, that's like the what do they call it no what do i call it but i have the same philosophy about money as forrest gump (laughs) so forrest gump he gets rich because he has bubba gump shrimp and then lieutenant dan invests in apple because he likes fruit Mm -hmm. and then one day he sells the apple stock and he gets a letter and forrest gump says "Eh, i guess that was the day i just uh, don't got to worry about money anymore. And then that was it. <laughs> that was all he talked about his massive wealth with. Yeah. Like it kind of enabled a couple decisions he made, but besides that, mm-hmm. it wasn't, it, it was, it was, it was like genius filmmaking and it turned out to be my life philosophy with money, <laughs> which, <laughs> which is like, I guess, which is a little different from yours because like, I wouldn't like the giant nest egg of a buffer, mm-hmm. you know, to keep my comfortable lifestyle. Yeah. But like you said, like five million, probably thirty million would be my my cap. I don't know why I feel like thirty million is good, but like five million is probably more than I'm ever gonna actually earn in my lifetime. So that's that would be plenty. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I, I want to explore a bit. <laughs> you know. So, 
we should all draw i think that's what should happen is like like when you're an impressionable you young man mm-hmm. idealistic you know but rational like 26 mm-hmm. should be given an index card yeah and you're not allowed to talk about this index card with anybody in the world mm-hmm. but on it is just one question how much do you need for the rest of your life how old are you making this decision 26 because at 25 okay. that is when that is when the front brain develops and the rational capacity is yeah. there yeah but we can't waste too much time you know like it's forbidden for older people to ask tell people what's on this index card mm-hmm. and it's forbidden for people to talk about what they do it's like a weird Orwellian situation that is a yeah that is a weird uh, suggestion because also money the value of money fluctuates and like right now five million seems like more than enough but maybe our uh, our economy tanks and like money's worth nothing for a while and that's not gonna do it right <laughs> yeah so I guess we could put it in like actual dollars or net present we, value. Have, we have to have some uh, some absolute value somehow uh-huh. of I, I don't even know how much a life is worth <laughs> <laughs> how much a life takes to sustain because we know we all get cars and they have manuals and they tell you like okay this is how much oil to put in this is mm-hmm. how much gas it takes this is how much to put in the but but with well, money designed that way yeah but yeah everything else like changes constantly yeah we should design life so it's <laughs> So it just fits into these perfect little boxes of predictability. Ah, if only there was a god or something. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like we should design life and, and its existence <laughs> and society so that we know everything that someone's going to need to eat in a lifetime. Mm-hmm. All the medical care they're going to need. All the different stupid hobbies they take up. Mm-hmm. All those things. We're going to know all this when you're born. Using AI. And the AI is going to determine how much money this is going to take, how much energy. And it's probably going to compute it down like beyond the abstract term of money and be like, okay, to produce the amount of food this person needs, we're going to need this much sunlight and these many cows, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it's going to get like real detailed. And it's going to mm-hmm. know just by like the fate of the world and the knowledge it wraps around. And basically what I'm saying is AI technology is going to become our communist ruler. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. You think? I think I, I, think I just talked myself into a, a premonition of the future. Do you think that's the future you want? I don't know. I mean, it seems a little matrixy. Yeah. A little matrixy, but like, I mean... I'm not going to live in the future, so it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> you know, the whole chirogenics thing. I, every, every time I talk to a chirogenics expert, they just they just get so irritated at me. Cryogenics? Right. It's probably because well, you're going to the wrong people. <laughs> They're like, the fuck are you talking about, guy? <laughs> we studied the Sphinx here. <laughs> so, anyway, I'm not going to live in the future. So, it's like, what do I think the future is going to be? And... And I always, I always try to take some middle-of-the-road approach. A lot of people have these doomsday approaches like mm-hmm. you with the sun exploding. Or, or they have these overly optimistic ones. I mean, my approach is not 
I mean, the sun is going to explode. Yes. But not within our lifetime or the next several generations. Um, that's, a, that's a long ways away. I think the sun is going to kill us before it explodes <laughs> because <laughs> we've ruined our atmosphere and our, right. our environment. Yes. So that's a distinction, a subtle distinction. Yes. So here is where I come in. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think, I don't think it's going to eradicate humankind, mm-hmm. but I do think that the robots, the AI and all the technology are going to consume our lives. You know, probably we're going to deploy it in mass effects to, to fix the climate or, or do something with mm-hmm. moving people to better grounds or something like that, or predicting stuff when everything becomes chaotic. Mm-hmm. You know, AI is going to start ruling everything, and then we're going to be ruled by computers and Facebook. Yeah. You know? So it's 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 kind of middle of the road. It's not complete dystopia. You know, technology comes in to save the day because it, it tends to always save our ass lately. It seems like it's shorter and shorter amount of times mm-hmm. that it's coming. Like, like it used to be like we needed a big major science thing like every 500 years. Like, oh, I invented a plow. Yeah. You know, and then 300 years later, oh, I invented the smallpox vaccine or something. And then 100 years later, oh, I invented the steam engine. And then 50 years later, oh, I invented space flight. And then 20 years later, oh, I invented, uh, you know, AI. Mm-hmm. And then 10 years later, it's like, oh, I invented Earth again. It's next door. <laughs> you know, but now we got 10 years to invent an entire planet. Yeah. So there might be a point of convergence. It seems that way. But I, but I, but I've got a little bit of faith in the plasticity of humankind. Yeah, you know we're adaptable. We've been very comfortable for a long time. Maybe it's about time we have a hellscape to contend with. <laughs> well, it's it's on its way, whether we are ready for it or not. Yeah, I'm probably going to be the in the wave to go. My my line, mm-hmm. personally, we're not we're not survivalists. We're built for the age we live in. Yeah personally me and I'm, you, I'm certainly not uh you're not a survivalist i mean i'm pretty adaptive for the the environment i was raised in but i wouldn't say that i was uh particularly well adapted to uh like post-apocalyptic scenarios yeah <laughs> <laughs> like i have trouble i i have trouble getting up in the morning on a regular basis <laughs> i don't think i'm gonna have the discipline Mm-hmm. To to sustain myself as a life form for yeah. in a chaotic environment, like yeah. when when the grocery store doesn't have my favorite coffee, I freak out. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what am I going to drink this week? Am I going to have to go to another store? How far away do I have to drive? Really, five miles? Five miles out of my day? Ten coming back? That that, that won't fly in a post-apocalyptic <laughs> environment. Yeah, that's true. You know, not much need for a podcaster in the post-apocalypse. Yeah, good thing you got that uh, that twenty-four hour radio stream going. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be the only thing about me that survives. <laughs> you know, you ever tune in? You ever pop in and uh, to have a listen to Scottcast Radio, see what's playing? Uh, I can't say I have, to be honest. It's okay. Not many have. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Turns out that there's not much call for just a radio station. Yeah. Radio's a dying medium. No one wants to try a new one. Mm-hmm. Even though the Scottcast radio station is pretty baller. Yeah. You know? 
the, the loss of the generations. I should have come 30 years prior. Mm-hmm. You know, like my ham radio podcast, something like that. Yeah. I could have been a world changer. <laughs> I could have been great. I could have been, I could have gathered as much immense power as possible until I became corrupt. Yeah. Because my character wouldn't stand on the scrutiny of like a billion dollars. No. I don't think so. I think I'd, I think I'd, I think I'd crumble. As soon as you sell one of those Veblen shirts, it's all over. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> the death knell when I start selling Veblen goods. <laughs> then I become a luxury goods supplier instead of just a podcaster. Technically, Scoutcast is a business because we do have that t-shirt store. It's true. You know, so that t-shirt store really helps out, you know, come tax time at least. <laughs> but I get expenses. And speaking of uh, needing to validate Scoutcast as a <laughs> business. Yeah. We got some t-shirts and stuff available at Scoutcast, thescoutcast.com forward slash shop. And a great, like, uh, you know, coupon. Hell yeah. You're the best salesman I've ever seen. Right? I just watched The Wolf of Wall Street <laughs> with Sabelle yesterday. Yeah. You know, we were both sick. Mm-hmm. And he was, he was he's the greatest salesman in the world, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because his big thing is he comes in and he sells these great stocks, these terrible stocks, I should say, these penny stocks to people, gets them to buy like $20,000 worth of stock. And the commission on these stocks is 50%. So he gets like 10 grand off a 20 grand sale. Mm -hmm. And he's just doing this over and over and over again. And he becomes this huge millionaire. And as he ascends, stealing money from the wealthy and the poor, he dabbles in drugs. And, and, and the money definitely corrupts and he does a lot of hookers a lot of hookers and eventually gets busted by the SEC for some fraudulent trading stuff goes to jail meets mm-hmm. Tommy Chong from Cheech and Chong really? yes Tommy Chong hears his story and he's like man that's a good story you should write a book man and then he wrote a book and then Martin made Scorsese more money. <laughs> made more money off this book. God damn it. Then Martin Scorsese read the book <laughs> and adapted the book, warts and all, into a movie starring Leonardo DiCaprio as Jordan Belfort. Wolf Wall Street. And the movie just portrays him as the most maniacal, like amoral, drug hound, constantly chasing after money, like misogynistic doing quaaludes all the time it was a quaalude movie <laughs> and at the end he, he it's just that's just that it. it just tells the story yeah that's all it is so you contributed to his fortune by watching this film yes and not only that mm-hmm. but to this day ever since Wolf of Wall Street the movie came out mm-hmm. there are Serious NBAs, serious business people, very ambitious kind of people who post quotes from this guy on their wall with like pictures of Leonardo DiCaprio in the background, like inspirational business ambition quotes. I believe that. For real. Like Fuck they, they watch people. that and then they're that's like so in, horrible. That's what they like. So anyways, the scoutcast.com forward slash shop. Get yourself a V-Blend. And who knows? Or our Quaalude habit. Yeah, who knows? Maybe we'll get some Quaaludes and do a lude cast. <laughs> Boom. God damn it. That was a good ad. <laughs>
Uh, so, um, feeblins are good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's Halloween month. Yeah. We're about to get spooky. I've, I'm ahead of the game on that. Yeah. You've been watching the, have you, have you successfully watched a spooky film every day this October? I'm doing one a day. Um, yeah. I just watched today's before I came over here. Ooh. Uh, it, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't like a proper spooky movie. It was like, uh, I'm doing like Cults and Coven week. Okay. I'm doing like some witchy theme movies. <laughs> so you're theming them by week? Week by I was week trying theme? to. Okay. I, it's kind of, it like depends on mood. You know, sometimes you don't want to watch like seven zombie movies in a row. Right. So like, I was kind of basing it off like what, what would Bronwyn tolerate last week? Um, this week I'm going, I feel, I'm feeling witchy and I did uh, Mark of the Devil today. Okay. Which is like more of a like Inquisition document, not a documentary, but like a historical drama. Okay. As opposed to like a, a straight horror film. So Inquisition, Spanish Inquisition? Um, It's supposed to take place in Europe, not necessarily Spain. I want to say like uh, it's shot in Austria or some shit. Okay. And it's, it's got Udo Kier in it. What's that mean? U- Udo Kier. He's a pretty famous actor. Oh, is he famous? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good. I mean, in the 70s. 70s famous. Maybe not, not anymore. Right. Right. You know. I think he was in, uh, I think he was in Blade. <coughs> Ever see Blade? With Wesley Snipes? Yeah. Did Wesley Snipes kill him? Probably. <coughs> or he was... You You watched that that Nazi movie where they were on the moon. He was in that. He was a Nazi. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the Nazi? Yeah. Okay. One of the Nazis in that movie, yes. Okay. I'm pretty sure I can picture him. <laughs> he was an old Nazi, right? Uh, Yeah. Older Nazi, a distinguished uh, SS officer. Yeah. Perhaps. Likely. Okay. I don't recall exactly what his role was, but... All he's, right. He's old now. So you watched the Nazi witch movie. Yeah. And it was good? Would you give it two thumbs up, one thumb up, one thumb down, two thumbs down? I'd give it uh, two out of three thumbs. Two out of three thumbs? If I had a third thumb. Okay. Well, we're not going to try to imagine <laughs> what the third thumb would be. <laughs> You know, that's for the viewers at home to decide. It was the, uh, the first film ever rated V for violence. Really? Yeah. They I, rated it V, MPAA. Yeah. It I, was literally just a V. A V. Okay. They gave out barf bags when you went to see it in the theater. Was it was it worth barf bags? Um, by today's standards, no. It's pretty tame by today's standards, but it was, it's kind of a... It's definitely like in that exploitation uh, sort of niche. Did they like stick white witches in Iron Maidens or something? Um, there was like uh, thumb screws. They used to like torture people by like compressing their fingertips and popping, basically like crushing your fingertips. Okay. There's like a dude that sits on like a spiky chair and they put a fire under his balls. There's lots of like uh whipping like the arches of feet and like burning the arches of feet a lot of foot a lot uh, of foot torture foot torture foot torture was prominent yeah you 
I, I doubt foot torture was prominent in like the middle ages so well, do mean, you think do you think the director was like a foot fetishist like I let's mean, just put a lot of foot porn in there I mean you think about how they uh, they elicited confessions from witches and like feet are a very uh, sensitive area of your body lots of uh, nerve endings down there yeah so that's that's an obvious area to to get at if you want to get somebody to confess some shit they didn't do okay I guess I just I guess I didn't think about it that way and then people call me the psychopath maybe it's you you you've got that cool collective it's uh you've got the cool collective like demeanor of like a possible this is all a psychopath. The, the catholic church did oh that's why you turned against the catholic church because <laughs> of the inquisition yeah okay. well i mean among other things mostly the inquisition though <laughs> for me it was the crusades you know all that time setting people into the middle of the desert just to wreak I mean, havoc. They, they did a lot of horrible things just because they did, disagreed with people. My stance is uh, it's okay to disagree about things. We don't have to be 100% on the same page about everything. Seems like a lot of effort we to don't make. Have to, we don't have to like crush each other's uh, fingertips or. Is there is there a time <laughs> where crushing fingertips is like, that's the thing to do? Um, it's time to crush some fingers. I don't think so. Nope, never good. I mean, like Bin Laden. I've been, I've been flirting with the idea that maybe the guillotine wasn't so bad. I mean, it seemed quick when it worked, right? Yeah. You know, and that's this, all it really takes. Harkens back to our our uh, discussion about classism, though. It's more so like when you lose sight of. The morality, like sometimes there's there's no reasoning with people, and it's kind of like maybe we just need to. (laughs) (laughs) So okay, so wait a minute. Okay, so you're saying okay, we've got we're we're upsetting, we're doing a French Revolution. Like it's clear that you seem to like the French Revolution better than the American Revolution in terms of style. So we're gonna have the guillotine. Mm, Yeah. Okay. We should probably not publish this. <laughs> well, the problem with the American Revolution is they, again, it's like the powers that be, they sent their, their henchmen to do all the, the fighting, and it's just these, like, normal dudes. It's like farmers. They weren't even real soldiers. They were just like, oh, you don't want these taxes? We'll go uh, shoot some redcoats. And it's it's not really, I mean, it it affects them the most. It's their fight, sort of, but it's it's not. They're not the source of the problem, and they're taking the brunt of the the uh, the fallout from the revolution. You know what I'm saying? The redcoats, the the common man. Okay. Oh, so the, the because the common man went out and they they fought the revolution. Yeah. They got the revolution. They're, they had, they had some unexpected follow, but the, the French Revolution, in contrast, I mean, a lot of civilians fought. died, right? <laughs> because uh, those in power were able to to use their power to to make that happen. But um, essentially, it ended because the aristocrats started getting decapitated, right? Okay, so because we had that swift, decisive end, like <laughs> like it was like. Okay, at least at least we know what's what now. Yeah. Okay. 
So you just like the declarative nature of the guillotine. I think, uh, I think the focus was in the right place when it comes to, uh, who was responsible. Okay. Who to overthrow. Yeah. And so it doesn't, I don't, I'm not necessarily invoking, uh, I'm not suggesting that that's something we should do because I don't believe in violence in that way. But (laughs) (laughs) the butt is so troubling. (laughs) But I think we need to have some, uh, some meaningful dis, not discourse. What's the word I want? We need to have a meaningful, uh, consequence for, for those who are actually responsible. Yeah. Like the people causing all these bubbles, the all that instead of yeah. sending them to uh, to uh, camp prison, mm-hmm. you know, or locking them in their house. That's about five square miles. Yeah, we guillotine them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, it's a little jump. It's a little jump, and it's far away from. Uh, it's a pretty humane way to go. It was, like, pretty instantaneous. I think that's my thing with the guillotine. Like, if I had to bring it back, it would be only in place of the other execution methods. Like, if you, if, like if I had to go, mm-hmm. I would like a properly built modern guillotine. Yeah. Please. You know? Because the lethal injection is prone to mishaps. And, like, basically a mishap with lethal injection means uh, you're going to die anyway. Mm-hmm. Right? But the mishap happens in the, you know, sedating phase mm-hmm. where they put you to sleep. It's like, maybe they do, maybe they don't. And then you just convulse on the table for like five hours just dying. Mm-hmm. You know, that's terrible. Yeah. You know, let's not have a, let's not have variability in that. Chop my head off. I want to see, I want to know what happens. Do, is my head alive? Can I see stuff? You know, right mm-hmm. after? Am I going to roll? Am I going to be like, cool, dude, and then die? <laughs> that's the way to go yeah you know if i had to be corporally punished to the to the ultimate degree Mm -hmm. so i do i i didn't feel like i'd say this but i do support your liking of the guillotine (laughs) (laughs) yeah all right you know you know the more you know guillotine (laughs) the humane way what a day. What a day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I brought up uh, the horror movies because I am so excited. It's October. I want to finish watching The House That Jack Built. Yes. I started watching it with Sabelle. <laughs> I started watching it with Sabelle, and we had to quit like 15 minutes in because it was too intense. Yeah. It's like a two-hour movie, too, it's a, right? Yeah, it's like a two-hour movie. Like, I've, when I've heard people talk about it, and they say it's one of the trippiest experiences ever. So you got, like, an eighth of the way through. I barely got away. <laughs> I, like, they they were clearing their throat, and then she was like, <laughs> Just no! Just got through the credits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, like, we need to get in this. We need to have a popcorn day. Mm-hmm. I, we need to s- slot it in one of these theme months, theme weeks mm-hmm. you got going on here. We got to do like the intense week. Hell yeah. I think you should do a full week of just the most intense ones you've got. I don't know if we can do that. Maybe right? like a half a week. <laughs> okay. Okay. Hell weekend. 
<laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Don't don't cop out. Yeah, but we should make a hell weekend, mm-hmm. and I want to be there for one of them. House that Jack built. Plenty of popcorn. A little bit of soda. Yeah. Like, I want a classic movie experience. Mm-hmm. You know, House that Jack built. And I got a, a little update on the AMC Star package where mm-hmm. you get to see three movies a month. Yeah. No, three movies a week, every week, for 20 bucks a month. Uh, I've had it for a few months now, and I have seen one movie. <laughs> <laughs> That Damn one you it. took us to? Uh, that, that one didn't count. Yeah. But I, because that was, I would have taken to that one to you anyway. Mm-hmm. But uh, just, I saw one movie as planned where I'd just go to it just to relax for a couple hours. Yeah. And that was John Wick 3. <laughs> that movie's badass. It was a good movie. It was fun. It was a good action movie, so yeah. it was a good excuse to go. And I think I think I just need to get into the habit. Mm-hmm. It's not an easy habit to be like, what should I do today? Oh, well, let's go let's go uh, piss off for three hours and watch a movie. Yeah. I don't know if there's that many movies that I would want to see coming out. You know, that's that's another thing is like, if look, you get six choices, seven choices. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're going to do something like this, like, you got to just decide that everything strikes your fancy. And that's kind of how I'm going to approach it starting this month. I'm going to go at least one or two movies a week. Mm-hmm. And my rule is I'm going to sit there for at least half an hour of the movie. If the half hour doesn't work for me, I just leave and go have some Wendy's. Okay. So I'm balancing, I'm balancing my treat as I either watch this movie or I go eat Wendy's. <laughs> if the movie is less good than going to Wendy's, it's not worth it. It's a good... Uh good to have that compass to guide you yeah and i need to make i need to excuse in my mind the fact i've paid for three months already (laughs) (laughs) by calling it some sort of challenge (laughs) (laughs) and being like yes me seeing a movie once a week is definitely going to improve my character (laughs) but you know it's also good for scott cast content you know some latest movie review a week yeah we could convert it to that did i stay or did i go Call it the Scott Cast Movie Minute. Why not? I'm excited for that. And so is the audience. Put a pause bit. Mm-hmm. And we're back. And we've got ourselves another beer review. That's right. Yes, yes. I was telling Ian that uh, my mom said I needed citrus. Uh, mm-hmm. For my cold, mm. and he was like, "This beer it tastes like grapefruit." <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, "I'll do." Yeah, no, we got uh, we got my my expansion pack for the month of September from Batch Brewery here in Detroit. It is called Sour Grapes. It's a goes made with Concord and Niagara grapes. Tastes like Welch's grape juice. Wow. Let's see. Oh my god, it actually does. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure that that's just Welch's grape juice. <laughs> and it's just suggestion, because it's a batch brewing can, mm-hmm. that it's going to get you a little rosy. Yeah. So I don't know what the ABV is, but it tastes like juice. These batch people, they kind of know what they're doing, don't they? They seem to, to do a pretty good job, yeah. I seem to always have a good experience every time I have a batch brew. Mm-hmm. 
you know i like that we've had uh some brown ale of theirs or something mm-hmm. recently i always like the little experimental stuff that you bring in we did the dick smasher that one time there is that <laughs> <laughs> yeah they do uh they do good stuff over there tasty while we're talking about robot communism mm-hmm. i just pulled up a futurism article okay on my feedly just apropos of nothing mm-hmm. and it was talking about the universal basic income mm-hmm. apparently they've been doing experiments giving people universal basic income mm-hmm. tracking their spending and every single one of them spent the money on basic necessities surprise right <laughs> <laughs> hungry people buy food what <laughs> weird <laughs> you know so it's like that's that's encouraging to me <laughs> you know i like that uh, that's that's good that's good news <laughs> That's the kind of news I like to read. So I figured that today's dicks in the news uh, will be that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's good news. It's a good day. You know, I wonder how much of it is like they knew they were being monitored because if they got surveyed, right? I don't know. I mean, like if it came with like a President Yang 2020 uh, like brochure. Mm hmm. You know, probably a little bit of hit, hit nudge, nudge action. I guess I would want to know about their methods and how they uh, gather their information about how the spend. That would involve works. reading the article, Ian, and we don't do that on Skycast. Yeah, well, <laughs> we just skim or read headlines. But I mean, that's how I spend money. Like, I yeah. pay my rent, mm-hmm. and then I buy food, and then if I have stuff left over, I'll buy shitty movies and like. <laughs> hot sauce boy is that accurate <laughs> that, that's exactly my experience of you as a friend going to your place <laughs> what's there okay we got plenty of good food great we got hot sauce great and yes there is a wall <laughs> of VHS tapes uh, you have doubles of things that make no sense to have doubles of <laughs> Don't know how that works. Oh. But that that that, that is a hundred percent of says the financial man with profile. fifty Jerry's. <laughs> <laughs> the number makes sense for you Jerry's. understand. I do understand. You know why. I know I know why. We probably have the same exact habit except throw in podcasting gear for me. <laughs> Although today I upgraded my podcast studio just through amalgam technology. Mm. That's right. I took two different stands realize that they kind of connect together pretty well it's just one inch thread and now i've got a boom table arm yeah so we our mics are attached to this giant stick (laughs) 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 on a a desktop mic stand Mm -hmm. and i gotta say it's it's my favorite setup personally with the mics i feel good about it and i didn't spend any money you know because i don't have universal basic income if i did We'd have a fancier mic stand. I'm, I'm glad I wasn't surveyed. Ninety five percent of the universal basic income recipients spend it on necessities. Well, what is it? What is what happened to the other 
five percent. Oh, that's Scott. He spent it all on podcasting. <laughs> I don't need to eat this week. <laughs> <laughs> he's starving and unhealthy, <laughs> but he's released seventeen episodes in a week. <laughs> he's got seventeen mics. That'll make the transition easier. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> oh, what did we learn today, Ian? We've had a good day. Well, we've we, we've we've traveled the to many topics of of yore. I don't know if my takeaways are the takeaways we want to take away. Yeah, I'll, I'll take away your takeaways from you if they're not the takeaways I would <laughs> like to take away. <laughs> I feel like we learned that uh, rich people are bad. And then the guillotine was okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Interesting perspective. <laughs> it seems to be like the theme of what we talked about. I don't know. There's definitely a prominent theme of class warfare. I wanted to talk about focus. <laughs> and it makes sense that we devolved in such a way. Yeah. Or evolved, perhaps. Um, I, but I, what I learned was maybe something a little bit different. Mm. I learned that uh, you do have a dark side, Ian. Mm. You have a shadow. You have a shadow, but you utilize your shadow to fight, to fight for the underprivileged, to fight for the people who deserve it. Perhaps you know you can't have a shadow without the light. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. That's probably my favorite for you know. <laughs> but that's true. You convert the light from sky casting, from batch brewery, from Brownwind and, and the greater Hamtramck area. Well, mostly just your home. <laughs> and you convert it to energy mm-hmm. that the shadow may fight against oppressors. That's right. Ian Dixon, you are the Yerber Mensch. Mm, okay. Maybe not. You don't don't like that one. It's too German. (laughs) (laughs) I might need to be guillotined. No. No one needs to guillotine Ian Dixon. So, that's the from the super colorful original telecommunicated transmission, otherwise known as Skycast. I bid the adieu. See you later, Skycastigators. Yes, nailed it. That's like the first time I've nailed that (laughs) ending in like 17 episodes. (laughs) 